Welcome to season two of Frontline Medic Podcast with your host, Zen Exerson, here to give you the inspirational stories, insights, and tools on how you can make every customer experience awesome. In this episode, we are talking to Ish Shane, who is the head of fitness at Les Mills, New Zealand. Ish shares his personal journey into the fitness industry, as well as some incredible challenging times, which he says has been full of surprises and opportunities to look at new ways of doing things. Tag along as we uncover the magic tricks in how you can bring out the best in your frontline teams to make every customer experience awesome. Thank you so much for for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I got into the fitness industry completely by accident. So I'm actually a chef. I had left school and wanted to pursue my passion, which was cooking at the time, because my parents used to own a catering business. So I grew up around food. I went down to Christchurch looking for a job in a restaurant, and I wrote down the address of the restaurant wrong. And when I turned up, it wasn't a restaurant, it was a gym. And so I went in and said, I'm here about the job. And they were confused and I was confused. Everyone was confused. But we started talking and they ended up giving me a job selling gym memberships. As a result, I ended up falling in love with fitness and the rest is history. So I never went back to cooking, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Accidental career. Oh, I think that's the first one I heard where you accidentally just walk into the wrong place and you get a job. <laughs> that's I've amazing. always been good at talking my way into things. So yeah. <laughs> So let's start with the kind of, could be a tough question, but could also be an easy one. So can you tell me about a moment that changed your life? Yeah, I've had a, probably several moments that have been defining moments in, in my life. The one time that I think my life actually changed was about two years ago, our oldest daughter, Samantha, who was at the time was only 16, she's now 18, but she ended up having some problems with her heart. And so we went in and got some tests done and she went in, had the test and didn't come out of hospital for around six weeks. And she ended up having a mitral valve replacement. So open heart surgery and just went from everything was fine. There wasn't any issues to having this massive life-changing event. And, And I remember as a parent at the time, that was something that changed everything for us. It was a crazy road, but... we learned a lot on that road and she's doing really well now so it's definitely changed our family think about health and fitness and why we do what we do as well and life's not fair right stuff just happens sometimes and then it's the meaning that you put to those events that is going to be what you uh, are left with and, and how you cope with that based on that in what way did it impact your life i went into this space where I really was, this isn't fair. This thing's come along. This has changed everything now. I went out for dinner with a friend of mine and he said, when did you ever think life was fair? You know, he said, stuff is going to happen and now you've got to figure out what you're going to do with that. We discussed it and spent some time unpacking what it meant for me. I think it changes your perspective on things. I always thought I could cope with things really well then all of a sudden something else comes out and you're like, oh my goodness, I've got to cope with that now. I think for me, like what it has really highlighted is no matter what happens, you can figure it out. You will um, 
navigate it, you will change your process. And I think in today's world and that ever-changing thing that's happening, it's really unpredictable. We don't know what's really going on, but we're slowly starting to get our heads around it. It is that mindset where you just go, whatever happens, and some things will be out of my control, but I can still control the meaning. I can still control how we adapt uh, to the new normal and how we navigate that. So as far as my routines have gone, I've really doubled down in that mental wellness space. I've spent time trying to unpack my thought process, put good measures in place, whereas I think I would have always just gone to physical exercise. Now we talk about mental health and physical health, and I think that's great because people are looking at that as being such a big part of leadership, a big part of staying resilient and staying on top of everything. How did you find your passion? I mean, you accidentally walked into Les Mills and just happened to get a job, but there must be some kind of passion behind it, staying in the industry for 27 years. It was really interesting how much the fitness industry really impacted me. I, like, I loved being a chef and I loved cooking, but there was something about the people who worked in the fitness industry that I found really engaging. And I think that kind of outgoing and really vivacious and enthusiastic, I was just drawn to it. I hadn't worked in an environment like that before. As a result, I fell in love with fitness and I fell in love with the fitness industry. I had never been to a gym before and never really been into sport. It was quite a big change. There was something about it. And then what I found was I started to get good at the, at the business side of fitness. I started to understand why it was good for you, but also how to connect with people that wanted to experiment with fitness or bring it in as part of their life. When I was a personal trainer, my specialty was helping people that didn't like exercise get to a point where they would exercise and continue it on. I wasn't the guy that was going to train you for a marathon or an Ironman or anything. And I started to really understand that people will start to develop a love for training when they understand why it's good for them. And they may actually never enjoy it, but they'll get it in as part of their lifestyle and they'll enjoy the after effect of the exercise. Having a good customer experience is just the price of entry to the game. I, you don't get people going in saying, raving about the fact that they had an okay customer experience or even a good customer experience. That's expectation. So I think it's those finding those moments that surprise and delight people. The, the things you experience along the way that you just weren't expecting. And when those are positive, that's where you start to really buy into the whole brand of a company or the experience that, that, that they deliver. If you look on the Les Mills customer experience and all the touch points there, like how would you say that Les Mills, because it's quite a different um, experience for Les Mills as a gym, that you have most of your frontline workers actually contractors. So how do you ensure that they deliver a great customer experience if you strip back what we try to do in our customer experience is we try to get people to come back because if you can get someone to come back for another workout then that's where they start to actually see a difference because a lot of people drop out of exercise because they're not seeing results or they don't like exercise or they're what we call not not connected if you can connect members to other members and other areas of the gym and other staff no one ever leaves the gym because they have too many friends. So the, the more you can connect people to other people within the gym, the more likely they are to be a member. But in those first few visits, 
being able to give them an experience with exercise that they will enjoy or can see themselves enjoying is really important. If you think about people's experience with exercise, it's goes from like a negative five to plus 10, right? Plus 10 is I love the fitness industry. I probably work in the fitness industry. I compete in Ironman. I'm a bodybuilder. And then you've got negative five, which is I hate the fitness industry. I hate exercise and I hate anyone that works in the fitness industry. <laughs> Most people join a gym when they get to about plus one, which is either they've decided to take their health seriously. They want some sort of shape change or they want to work on sort of their mental wellness and, and stress levels. But it doesn't mean they like exercise. It just means that they've decided to make it a priority right now. The experience they have at that first workout will decide whether they move up the scale or down the scale. So if it was too hard, I'm not coming back. If I didn't feel like I fitted in, I'm not coming back. If no one talked to me, I'm not coming back. But if I came in maybe with a friend, I did a workout that was appropriate for my level. There was interaction from the instructor. People said hi. All of a sudden, I, you can get people to start to see, actually, this is a place that I think I could come often and, and come regularly. Our member experience is very much encourage people to come back. And that touch point might vary. For reception, I always like to call our reception Google with skin on. They just need to know the answer to everything. So if a member goes up and says, oh, what's happening? The receptionist should know. Whereas our personal trainers who are contractors, their job is to work with their client one-on-one, -on -one, but do it in a way that doesn't annoy everybody else in the gym because I don't know about you but if you've been into a gym where a personal trainer has got like towels over five bits of equipment and and is giving this great experience for the one person they're training but just annoying everybody else in the gym that's not a great experience so we want our personal trainers to train their client really well and do it in a way where they're working in with members and and, and making that environment good or for a group fitness instructor remembering someone's name seeing someone that's new, helping them set up, like all of that stuff. And honestly, it just makes such a difference to people. Yeah. And when you hire people in those kind of positions, like what kind of frameworks do you have in place to ensure that everyone deliver on the same kind of standards? So for our personal trainers and our group fitness instructors, so there are contractors, they go through training, even if they're qualified prior to coming to us, we still train them in the Les Mills framework, the Les Mills qualifications. For our frontline staff, reception, uh, sales, those roles also come with training. So it's making sure that someone isn't just coming in to a situation where they're learning it. There's some training that have been probably um, put through our procedures and policy, what we call our playbook. They understand how everything works. And then they've got some support with their co-workers and peers but to your point before like contractors are very different to it to employees and but the actual training and embedding in the culture is so important because culture eats strategy for breakfast you can have the best strategy in the world but if your culture uh, is not supportive or your culture isn't collaborative or your culture isn't the way we do things around here then your frontline staff will just retrain the new staff to be part of the problem and so we really do spend a lot of time um, being clear on what we want and how each department is to deliver it because it is different uh, for each person. I've been in the privileged position to do lots of training in lots of different places all over the world. And the quality of the training makes such a difference because if we think about first aid, for example, 
most people don't want to do their first aid course because the person delivering the first aid course is the most boring person on the planet. <laughs> With every attempt, what they're trying to deliver, you see it in the room, right? You just see people on their phones, they're distracted. But if you get someone who can deliver it in an engaging way, the difference in that experience is completely different. And so that's what we try to deliver. If it's a group fitness module, it is designed to be engaging. The people who are presenting that are are trained in how to deliver that content. Same with personal training, same with our sales, same with everything that we do. It's not just about the content, it's the way it's delivered and it's who is delivering that content that makes a difference. And then making sure that you just keep backing it up, backing it up, backing it up, get the comms, get the training and making sure that, yeah, that it's engaging at every touch point. We have a book that explains our, it's called the start line. It basically goes through our reason why we're in business, what we do, what our brand is, how the company works. So all of that's done as part of induction. And we use a, a software program called Head Start. So everyone gets exactly the same kind of customer experience when they come through. Inductions with each department as they go through as well. And then we have a performance review process. So, so all of that kind of like stock standard like every business has. But the other thing we encourage everyone to do is try to exercise and we want people to be exercising we want people to be in club minimum three workouts a week and it's part of what they do so you know you can grab your lunch and you can go have a workout and you can come back uh, and sit at your desk so we really encourage that because that love of the brand and love of exercise is such a big part and also we know that exercise is good for people and it changes people's lives so when our staff are role modeling that, when our contractors are role modeling that, that definitely makes a difference to that induction and that culture because they're experiencing it every single day, just like members and getting results, just like members. How do you manage the conflict between personal trainers running their own businesses and what the gym actually wants? Yeah, the, the common ground for both is we want members to attend the gym. So where the conflict sometimes lies is members often only go to a gym, maybe 1.3 is something like visits per week is the average. If they do personal training or group fitness, it goes up to 2.9 visits per week. So that's where they really start to make a difference. So we want personal trainers engaged with members and we want members engaged with our group fitness. What sometimes happens is a personal trainer, they make money off the member coming and seeing them. So sometimes they'll go, just come and see me and don't do group fitness. Whereas we're like, no, 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 we want them to do group fitness and we want them to see you because we want multiple connection points. So what we've taught our personal trainers to do is have a bigger client base less often than a smaller client base that you see all the time. Because when people want to break up with their personal trainer, they stop coming to the gym. <laughs> so they go, oh, I don't want to see my trainer anymore. I'll, I'll just stop coming to the gym. That's not great for the gym. That's not a symbiotic relationship. What we want is that the person might see their personal trainer once a week, do a couple of group fitness classes, and exercise with a friend. If the person then doesn't want to see their personal trainer, well, they've got enough connection and relationship points to keep coming. And if the personal trainer it does what we teach them to do, which is, that's fine, I'll set you up in a program, let's touch base in maybe six weeks and see how you're getting on. And then they have another client base that they can work with or other clients that they can bring in. That's a much better relationship. We sometimes refer to the relationship being symbiotic, which is a shark and a sucker fish, right? Yeah. So it's like a sucker fish sucks onto the side of a shark keeps it clean as it's running gun through the, the ocean and no one's eating it off the side of jaws. So those two things work together. 
as opposed to a parasitic relationship, which is like a parasite, and all it does is take and take from its host and give nothing back. We know that so many members drop out because they have a bad experience with exercise on their first visit. We've worked really hard with our trainers to get them to understand where they sit in our business and how they can be successful and how we can be successful. What do you think other industry can learn from the fitness industry when it comes to recognizing achievements? One thing that I think other industries can learn from our industry is how to deliver great training. I think that's one thing that Les Mills is stand out. If you go to a one-day module, two-day module, three-day module, a 90-minute session, it will be one of the best experiences of your life. Like we we want that to be great because we know that training is only as good as the experience and the person delivering it. So we obsess on that. We want to make sure that our modules are amazing because when you come in, that will get you in into the culture and into the, the feel of the business more than anything else. I think that's what fitness does really well. So if a company wants to create a better experience for the customer, what is the one simple thing they could do today? For me, the most important thing is a synergy between the national office and the frontline operational business. We can do customer experience and individual successes that are great, but I've often seen in businesses, there's a disconnect between national office and the actual business that's operating at the front line. When those two things are aligned, then everything else will just start to fall into place because everybody will understand what the game plan is, what the picture is and what they're supposed to deliver. We spent quite a bit of time building collaboration between our national office and our clubs. I'd say a few years ago, it was quite broken. It was the classic national office are saying this, but this is actually what we do around here. And it's really hard to measure that because you can't actually measure the performance because you're not sure what they're actually delivering. So if a club is doing really well, but you can't pinpoint why they're doing it well because they're just doing it in a completely different way, that's not great. And sometimes national office will implement systems that are just impossible to execute actually operationally and that's why and so then all of a sudden they think what they've implemented will be great but operationally the person's going well I can't even do that that's not the reality if national offices and operational businesses can be aligned can collaborate the voice of the front line has been represented back up the chain so decisions are made with context and decisions are being robustly challenged by frontline until you all agree I think that will be the answer for your customer experience. It's going to start from great systems and great communication. Is there anything that Les Mills does today to have that connection from the front line all the way to the back back office? Yeah, called collaboration calls. So basically it's an SLT member and some key um, influential staff that are at our national office, some key department managers and our club managers. And we basically do calls where it might just be a decision like what should our national cycle booking system be or it might be a topic we're discussing or it's an upskill and those groups are happen often once a month will be have a topic we're discussing we're on the phone everyone gets a voice and then around every three months they get shuffled up again and you get another group that type of approach has been game changer for us because what you hear is exactly what happens and you can hear the frustrations on both sides and we can put views forward. Uh, it's good candor because the relationships are strong. Uh, and that has been 
just game changer for our business. It's allowed the relationships to be stronger between clubs and national office. And then the clubs also, they know what it's like to execute on things. So they can be saying that we're concerned about this because of this reason. And we can go, oh, we didn't even consider that. Hadn't even thought of that being an issue. And we can troubleshoot together. And as a result, the, yeah, the relationships between national office and the clubs is really strong. And we get great feedback from them, which is really good. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for, for taking your time to talk to me. No problem at all. Thank you for listening to another episode of Frontline Medic Podcast with your host, Susanne Exeson. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at susanne at frontlinemedic.org with any feedback or thoughts that you would like to share on this episode. This podcast is brought to you by Ask Nicely. If you enjoy this podcast, please give it a five-star rating. Frontline Magic provides you with the tools, insights, and inspirational stories you need to deliver an awesome customer experience. Sign up for free and learn more on frontlinemagic.org. And thanks for making Frontline work awesome.